This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. From the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window. Making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Online at willowwindow.pro. Now live from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. My buddy, Mr. Greg Tucker, is sitting across from me, and evidently you did not watch the PGA Tournament because you're, you've become a golfer, as I have heard. You're, you're doing pretty well with, with the, the irons and the, and, and the drivers. But It's fun to learn something new at the age of 70-plus. <laughs> we won't go into the plus part. But Phil Mickelson won the PGA at 50-plus years old. He's the oldest a golfer ever to win a major tournament and i identify with a left-handed golfer yeah appreciate uh, that <laughs> i have never heard a crowd as loud as that one it was almost like i was watching a, a uh, <coughs> college football game at ut it was unbelievable and i am so proud of somebody who represents our group the older group uh, the older group yeah well uh my older friend he's actually 80 uh, last week gave me a box of a dozen uh, experienced golf balls. Oh, wow. They know I'm not about to go out and buy anything. What do they so, do, get them out of the creek or something like must that? must have. looks like you got them scrubbed. Now, if it was a Titleist golf ball, now you can make those things explode. They'll go a long way. There's some titleast balls in that box, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, how's your game? Are you able to shoot your age yet? On uh, the front nine? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Or or the front hole now. (laughs) Have you got a teacher? Have you got somebody instructing you how to to hit the ball? My buddies there once in a while shake their head and make a comment. But uh, uh, I'll win a few holes and they decide not to change my game. Well, when you win a few holes, you're doing well. Uh, you're playing with experienced golfers. One or two of them used to be very good, uh, very impressive. Uh-huh. But, you know, age age slows things down. What would you say? It's the equalizer. Yes, it is, <coughs> unfortunately. Now, what's been going on? Well, I see some uh, encouraging news from my friend Marty Luffman. He said mm-hmm. he's getting a little feeling. Uh, back in his legs, uh, he's still no control, <clears throat> but uh, a little bit of a feeling sensation. I told him I take that as good news, encouraging. And then also the uh, facility, Trust Point, 
is going to loosen up their visitation uh, requirements this end of this week, I believe is what he told me. So mm-hmm. hopefully we can get by to see him directly and see what progress being made. So yeah. It's a long, hard road, Marty, but keep at it. We're expecting you to come visit us here at the microphone as soon as you can. I miss seeing him. Yeah. He's a lot of fun. <laughs> has, has Mike Waller heard any more <coughs> from the dam over at Sam Davis? He has done a great deal, uh, and I'll let him explain, but I know he spread the word and solicited uh, comments, and uh, we'll see see what develops. That's what that's been one of your major projects over the last couple of years. Well, Mike has involved me, and uh, we at least clarified and prevailed as to the historic value of the property. Uh, but now the question is. Is the, is the Corps of Engineers, despite the finding with respect to the history, is the Corps of Engineers going to go forward with this? Uh, we can put up a plaque and make photo documentation and then uh, lose the property. Uh, and, of course, I have some trouble with that. If that's the case here, then it seems to me like every, every uh, historic uh, structure or location is at risk. Yeah. Let's put up a plaque and tear it down. I don't like that uh, as a as a policy. Did you even know that there was anything like that going on? Because when it when you first uh, mentioned it to me, I was blown away because it 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 seemed like something was structured for people that um, could take advantage of other people and and uh, something that's special like the Sam Davis home which has a great history uh in, in the community I, I, I there's just something that doesn't seem right about it well remember that uh Mike and eventually myself uh first learned that a third party was going to do the demolition in order to generate these mitigation credits which have a significant cash value with apparently nothing returning to the Sam Davis Memorial Association. And that still is the unresolved issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Uh, what, what's, what really is going on here? And uh, maybe that'll play out and come to light a little bit at this point. but. We'll have to wait until Mike gets back because it's it's his project. Yeah, and uh, he's the one closest to it. You get involved in a, a lot of things that go on in this community, don't you? Your your people reach out to you, and uh, you don't know how to say no, do you? Well, if it relates to our local history, I don't think I should say no. I try to. Uh, at least keep the history, the focus on the history and preserving what we can. Yeah. Well, you've done a lot for the community, big boy. Uh, browsing through some resources uh, over the weekend, I came across an interesting list. Uh, you know how language evolves. And I found a list of slang words which developed during the Civil War. And Between and, and when? During the uh, let's see, in Truman terms, 
the war of northern aggression. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and uh, the Yankees had another word for it too. Uh, the rebellion is what they called it. Mm -hmm. uh, but apparently some uh, terms that uh, in 1870 were classified as slang uh, developed during the Civil War. And some of them we still hear and use today. For instance, skedaddled. Uh, I don't use that word much, but we all know what skedaddle means. Let's skedaddle. Hurry up. Let's get out of here. Yeah. yeah. That came up, uh, and it meant even then to run away or to disperse from, mm -hmm. uh, and was a Yankee term applied to the rebels when they uh, got away. When the Yankees thought there was no danger of catching up with them, they would say, they skedaddled, so uh, we can back off. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the compiler of this list, his editorial comment on that was, the Yankees were afraid to stand and fight uh, and were suggesting that the Confederates wouldn't stand and fight. They would always choose to skedaddle. Mm -hmm. uh, gobbled, uh, the word uh, commonly used uh, today to mean just what it sounds like. Uh, back then, That could be two things, though. It could be a turkey call. Yeah, it could be a turkey call, yeah. And it probably relates to that. During the Civil War, it came to mean to steal small articles of value from the rebels, mm -hmm. from the rebels, the Confederates, uh, actually the, the uh, non-combatants, to steal small articles of value from the rebels, such as books, pictures, and any fancy article. Uh, doctors and wives, second-rate officers and wives, and a few persons will not hesitate to gobble up whatever they can get their hands on. The uh, officers frequently brought families with them, hmm. uh, with the occupying forces. Uh, here's one that must not have survived. Smeveled. S-M-A-V-E-L-L-E-D. That's a new one on me. Yeah, we smeveled three of them yesterday. It means to catch a rebel soldier suddenly, unexpected to him. Hmm. We smeveled that one. Uh, mug you, M-U-G-Y-O-U. We still use the term of mugging. Yeah. A very close in term. Mug you, to choke his adversary until he's black in the face, and then let him go with a kick. Hmm. Street discipline is what it sounds like. Yeah. Mug you. To choke his adversary black in the face, then let him go with a kick. Now, was that used by the Yankees? These are, Almost all of these are terms used by the occupying forces. And uh, John Spence, who kept the diary of the Civil War mm -hmm. uh, in Rutherford County is the source here. Copperhead. You see that one in history writings. Uh, not used, of course, today to, mm -hmm. for the same thing. But a copperhead back during the war was a war politician who is disposed for peace on any terms, willing to cut loose from the southern states and let them go. 
the Copperhead was the one that was not opposed to secession mm-hmm. uh, and was willing to let the southern states cut loose and go. A Copperhead, not a uh, flattering term when used by the, the North side. But it was a flattering term used by the South. I guess it's all in your point of view. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, shebang. S-H-E-B-A-N-G. One word, shebang. Well, uh, that was a musical term at one time, remember? Shebang, shebang. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> It meant, back in the war period, a small place to do business in and but little in it, Hmm. such as a small, uh, sparsely furnished office. Come in, you might hear. Come in. This is my shebang. Hmm. Uh, And frequently where the uh, occupying force would impose itself on a private home. Hmm. So the... Lower-level officers could claim they had a shebang. Uh, Galvanized rebel. One that has been forced to take oath, the oath of allegiance to the uh, U.S. against his better judgment. You got that, a galvanized rebel, one that has been forced to take oath against his better judgment. The Yankees doubt his true loyalty. That would be just about all of them. All those that took it for practical reasons. Yeah. Uh, There was a lot of effort to try to protect one's holdings, one's possessions, when, uh, you know, you had no law enforcement, really, except the military. Yeah. And the military were uh, taking it uh, for various reasons. Yeah, there's a lot of that went on. All right, really, uh, similar to galvanized rebel is ironclad. That's one who has taken the oath of allegiance for form's sake, but does not have much confidence in the strength of it. Nearly the same as galvanized. The Yankees fear to trust the ironclad. They just doubt the loyalty of the galvanized rebel. Very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one that we hear still. And very close to the same meaning. A greenback, a species of paper money used by the federal government, issued for war purposes, takes its name from the back of all the notes being covered with heavy engraving and printed with green ink. Mm-hmm. That's a descriptive term, greenbacks. Uh, the counter, the, the companion term, though, is grayback. Mm. What's a grayback? Would that uh, refer to southern money? Yeah, Confederate, yeah. Yeah. Confederate currency. Yeah. Uh, a species of currency gotten up for war purposes by the Confederate government. Uh, also a name given to the Confederate soldier uh, frequently because of the gray uniforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, now here's one that I would not have guessed. Uh, in fact, it may predate but became in common usage during the war. A gorilla, spelled and appearing like guerrilla. Uh, I always assumed it had some uh, Spanish, uh, Latin origins. But yeah. a gorilla during the Civil War here was a name given to all Confederate 
cavalrymen by the Yankees. An apt description, if you think of Wheeler and Forrest mm-hmm. using tactics that would today be thought of as guerrilla warfare, yeah. guerrilla tactics. Uh, but the term first came into common usage during the war. Another one that uh, all of us who've watched a lot of Westerns know, Bushwhacker. Oh, yeah. Sniper. Yeah. Men that lie concealed in ambush and kill the adversary. The understatement here, they are dreaded much by the Yankees. Mm-hmm. That, I'm sorry to say, we've illustrated a number of times when you're uh, engaged in combat in the enemy's domain mm-hmm. where you can't really tell who is or isn't a combatant, enemy combatant. Uh, they are dreaded much by the Yankees. You know, that was a, that's a way that most uh, wars that go on between people who are from that area, um, usually for whatever reason, it's usually north and south, uh, it becomes more and more difficult uh, if someone comes in who is not part of that particular landscape it becomes almost impossible to um, do your duty the way it should be done. We've even seen it in uh, the Mideast. The Mideast has been very difficult. Uh, when, when you get involved in somebody else's warfare, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's an almost impossible task. Well, you're describing apparently the situation in Afghanistan. Yeah, and and then, of course, in Vietnam and yeah. Korea and, and all those other uh, lands that um, you, you can't identify the people like you should be able to. And sometimes you make some really bad mistakes because of the way it, it's set up. Next one might be... Uh well, understanding it would uh, would help uh, any of us understand that conflict. But uh, intelligent contraband. Have any idea what that refers to? Intelligent contraband. Um, well, it, it could be almost any way that you can communicate uh, without uh, without people knowing that you're you're doing it. Well, contraband, the word alone, then and today as well, is usually uh, material goods, property yep. that has been taken, sometimes illegally, but sometimes under the color of laws. Could such be codes. Contraband. In a way, yeah. The yeah. things that you're able to utilize the code system with. Intelligent contraband, actually, it refers to a human being. Let me read it. I'm reading it just as it appears in uh, Spence's. You looked at me and then you shook your head no as you said that. Yeah. Why did you do that? I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. Nose is running. Intelligent (laughs) contraband. A runaway Negro who can work upon the sedulity of a Yankee. It's an interesting word. Uh, Sedulity. Uh, means work on the readiness to believe of a Yankee. The Yankee will take his word as soon as he will. The oath from a white man. Obviously, some racist attitudes. In yeah. That. Uh, the began with Grant 
when Grant was in charge on the uh, Western Front in the war and uh, essentially took uh, West Tennessee very quickly mm -hmm. down to Shiloh. Uh, but just as soon as the uh, Union forces uh, came in and occupied, uh, slaves would uh, essentially leave their, their circumstances and appeal to the military and the military dubbed them as contraband. Mm. In other words, the Union Military Command, and there is uh, a lot of documentation using that term, uh, considered them as property which had been uh, taken away uh, without legal process. So they were contraband, just as though the military had uh, come across a supply depot and taken the uh, the Confederate supply would be contraband. Did that improve their lives, though? No. In most in cases, actually, it made it worse, didn't it? In most cases, they were either put to work in at least a semi-slave status, or they were put into camps and kind of left on their own. But an intelligent contraband is one who is able to talk his way into the uh, favor of the military. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Oh, here's one that uh, very common usage, and that was secesh, S-E-S-E-S-H, a corruption of the word secessionist. Mm-hmm. And uh, this says, secesh, are what the Yankees call rebels to the USA, Confederate soldiers. The Yankees are continually on the hunt for secesh, but are cautious about finding them. Uh, at least in the Western Front, when you read the uh, statements and the private correspondence, the word secesh is the reason for the conflict, the secession. Mm -hmm. And the criminals were those who advocated the criminals, the enemy of the Yankees, were those who advocated for secession, which uh, the term and the way it's used uh, clarifies the intent of the North and at least what was told to the soldiers mm -hmm. who were recruited who frequently as you know were recent immigrants yeah uh, german italian mostly irish a lot of irish uh they were told that we must go uh prevail over the secessionists and uh, the term quickly became shortened and corrupted to secesh and uh i remember reading uh, the methodist ministers uh, in the Southern Methodist churches mm. were considered secessionists and for no other reason than what opinion they expressed were arrested uh, usually as soon as the uh, occupying force took charge mm -hmm. uh, because they were secesh. Interesting term which disappeared very quickly after the war. Uh, a phrase that uh, Again, it's common today, but apparently arose during this war period. Mm -hmm. Bully for you. 
a Yankee phrase that is if you say or do something which they think expresses satisfaction uh, they'll say well bully for whatever it is yeah. bully for you uh, you think we need to take a break I don't know do we yeah you hear the music it's getting louder and louder somebody so, wants let, to get let's take a break see if I see, see if I still got any hearing left do they pay to do that <laughs> all right we're taking a break With Bell Jewelers, we have the perfect gift for your graduate. Longines and Seiko watches that can be engraved and personalized to any kind of engraved picture frame, charms. We have all price points, Pandora jewelry for your graduate. We have the perfect gift for your graduate. That's Bell Jewelers, 821 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro, across the street from Toots Restaurant. Discount Mattress is in its new home, 1647 Northwest Broad Street, that's next to Pinnacle Bank. No need to wait until Memorial Day to save hundreds on a new mattress. Save now on top brands like Simmons, Serta, Englander, M. Lilly, and more. Plus, through the end of the month, they'll pay your sales tax. The new warehouse at 1647 Northwest Broad Street stacked to the ceiling. Same day delivery or pickup, that's Discount Mattress, 1647 Northwest Broad Street, next to Pinnacle Bank. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street, across from the tall NHC building. All of the proceeds that we generate from our store goes directly back into the ministry for those programs that Greenhouse has. So we would just encourage people to come out and take a look. The Garden Patch offers competitive prices on name brand clothing, furniture, large appliances, household items, toys, and more. Shopping at the Garden Patch helps Greenhouse Ministries inspire, give hope, and change lives. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street in downtown Murfreesboro. If you're not waking up to the wake-up crew, here's what you've been missing. The Miami The Miami? Okay. Miami. Whoa, the Miami! <laughs> it's early. I got a hammy. My hammy's pulled. Oh, my hammy. It's it, my hammy. <laughs> Don't miss the wake-up crew with John, Brian, and Dalton. Do you think this show has the good neighbor seal of approval? Oh, no. No. <laughs> Probably not. We're the runt of the litter here on the good neighbor station. The wake-up crew. Weekday mornings from 6 until Swap and Shop. Hello, this is Frank Caperton, otherwise known as Frank the Computer Guy. I've been in business repairing computers since 1983. I hope I'm doing something right. Get this, I come to you. I don't charge a trip fee in most cases. Have reasonable prices, very personal yet professional service. I also preserve memories. I digitize your old family videos. Again, I'm known as Frank the Computer Guy, and you can call or text me at 615-476-7823 or visit frankcaperton.com. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. An online research firm is releasing data showing Tennessee as one of the grossest states in the nation. The study released over the weekend by Zipia ranks Tennessee just outside the top 10 at number 11 for grossest state in the country. Zipia says it used several metrics to achieve its rankings, including air quality, percentage of each state classified as landfill, disease spread, and cultural indicators like Google searches for taboo topics. Tennessee finished behind number 10 New York, while Virginia topped the list as the grossest state, and Alaska was ranked 50th at least offensive. Siegel High School senior Whitman Tchaikovsky got one of the 252 National Beta Club scholarships in the country. The National Beta Club exemplifies ideals of achievement, leadership, character, and service. Tchaikovsky, a valedictorian at Siegel High School, who held the graduation ceremony May 15th. 
Officials at Middle Tennessee State University say they're looking into several leads on who left hate speech graffiti at a bus stop last week. University President Sidney McPhee confirmed yesterday that video footage from cameras in the Rutherford Boulevard parking lot had produced promising evidence. The graffiti was found on panels and benches at an MTSU bus stop and was described by officials as threatening and disgusting. McPhee has promised the matter will be pursued to the fullest extent of the law. Police say they've arrested a man who allegedly pointed a gun at another driver on I-40 in Wilson County yesterday. Reports say the suspect pointed the gun at another motorist at North Mount Juliet Road on I-40. Victim called police who were able to catch up to the suspect's vehicle, pull him over, and recover a handgun. Police did not release the name of the person citing their ongoing investigation. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Mostly sunny skies today with a high temperature in the lower 90s. We'll have partly cloudy conditions tonight and a low around 64 degrees. This is staff meteorologist Jake Posizinski on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 61. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn, pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with the Greg Tucker Show. Are you in the building? No. (laughs) (coughs) Oh, you take your headphones off, you just don't know what's going on. Let's finish this up. Uh, All right. Here's a phrase that uh, I still use. All right. That developed during the war period and uh, quickly caught on with the southern uh, military, which meant, as you would think today, uh, things are ready, things are suitable. That's all right. That's Uh, what you utilized a couple of times when you were in the court of law and you won the case. Yeah, only off the record. Yeah. Uh, and here's one that completely disappeared. Spondylix. How in the world they put that together? S-P-O-N-D-U-L-I-C-K-S. Spondylix. It was a word used to refer to ready cash, not to, not paper currency. How in the world could they put that together? I don't know. And it, uh, uh, I have or have not the Spondylix for that. Uh, is how it would be used. Uh, and as I said, that one disappeared. 
I have no idea how that evolved. And here's one that has very obvious, uh, it's a, a designation of a color, butternut designates the color of clothing worn by the Confederate soldier. Woolen jeans dyed brown, usually with uh, walnut dye. Uh, we got, we got. Thank goodness, we've got somebody calling <laughs> after that one. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I, I, uh, I've got two grandpappies fought for the South. One fought in uh, Arkansas. He died with a bullet in his neck from the war and also lost a leg. And then I have another one that fought mm. at Stonesville Battlefield in the 2nd Tennessee Cavalry with General Wharton. Uh, my comment is, and I'm going to ask you guys, you're talking about the Civil War, the continuation in this country about the Civil War, you think we're going to eventually do away with the parks and all that? I mean, this is a, you know, out of blue question, but you think as we continue, we're going to get rid of all these monuments all over the nation and kind of erase the Civil War? That's my comment and question, and I appreciate whatever you say. Thank you. Thank you for calling. I can understand the concern around that. Uh, my own feeling is it probably is the most significant event in uh, American history after the revolution itself uh, in terms of the impact on the, uh, on the country. And we shouldn't forget it. And going around erasing and canceling and pulling, regardless of your point of view, uh, is a, is a real mistake. Uh, one interesting uh, observation is both the Sons of Confederate Veterans and the counterpart organization of uh, uh, the Union descendants have come out against any of this uh, canceling and tearing down. Uh, these are the people who treasure the history and try to keep the history on both sides and they're telling us this is the wrong thing to do. And of course the question is why are people trying to do away with that history? Well we've talked frequently about uh, there have always been and will always be those who use try to use history for a current uh, objective or current interest and that's what we're seeing now and uh, as I said, it's it's done and happened. A rewriting or reinterpretation of history for some current interest or purpose, uh, and that's not history. That's uh, like revisionism, something else. Yeah. Let's see. Well, one more word uh, out of the past that uh, I have some personal experience with: the grapevine. Uh, it's defined as information which is probably less than reliable that has been passed on by word of mouth. Uh, in fact, in the discussion that Spence gives us, he talks about how anytime there's a gathering place, be it a bunch of whittlers or somebody uh, in an eating establishment, uh, during that war period, there were no media, certainly not as we know today, but even the newspapers were generally shut down. Uh, so the only news you could get was this type of through the grapevine. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll see some places they refer to the grapevine telegraph. 
but it always that information was treated with a little bit of doubt uh, because it so often was not reliable. But it's, you, uh, someone passing along the information might say, well, I got this off the grapevine, but, and then mm -hmm. repeat what it is. That one has come forward uh, even prominent in commercials on television for a while at the California Raisins. Mm -hmm. uh, heard it through the grapevine. Uh, it's also a great place to eat in Murfreesboro. It, it's not bad at all. You have been over there a couple times. In fact, the last time you were over there, the DAR gave you uh, some uh, special awards. Well, now that you mention it, through the grapevine, uh, describing a restaurant is very close to the way it's described in our uh, 1870 uh, listing here. Mm -hmm. is a, a place where people would gather casually mm -hmm. and share information. It was a grapevine. I used uh, a reference to the grapevine uh, oh, uh, 10 years ago in uh, one of my articles about the Civil War and a uh, fellow in Kentucky who obviously was uh, uh, close to Civil War history uh, wrote to me and complained that I was using modern idiom in, in descriptions of Civil War culture mm -hmm. and uh, wrote back to him. I said, well, I appreciate your concern, but I gave him the citations. And indeed, uh, during the Civil War, that was a common term mm. uh, frequently used. Uh, and the meaning of it has evolved some, but still, if you told me, well, I picked up some information on the grapevine, I would automatically think, well, it may or may not be reliable information. Yeah. But. It's more like a rumor type situation. Yep. End of list. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Most of the, a lot of those words I had never heard before, which is amazing because. Well, think we can uh, rejuvenate spondylix? You, I hope not. Have you got spondylix for lunch today? You got enough to buy your own lunch. It's got to be ready cash. None of this. When I take you out to lunch, I have to have ready cash because uh, that seems to be the direction you and I go. <laughs> uh, last week, I made uh, mention uh, in the context of the DAR how throughout our history, uh, local history in Rutherford County, Murfreesboro, mm -hmm. uh, the women have stepped forward yeah. and assumed responsibility and for a task that really needs to be done. And one of the better examples I, I mentioned last week but didn't offer any detail, and I thought I ought to back up and talk a little about that, and that's reburial of Confederate dead. In the aftermath of the war, uh, southern combatants had fallen all over the county. I mean, we think of the big battle, yes, mm -hmm. and we think of uh, uh, Forest Raid, the two most significant uh, confrontations. But there were skirmishes all over the county, particularly with uh, Rutherford County being on the on the supply route. Mm -hmm. And then there were places like the Battle of Milton and the Battle of Hoover's Gap and such were small and uh, time-limited engagements, but Confederates fell. And in, in most cases, they either were 
unburied or they were quickly buried just where they fell yeah. or in the immediate area. Um, today we would say part of it was a, a health issue, a health and safety issue to uh, properly bury and tend to the, the remains. Uh, but uh, the nobody there was no government entity or, or local entity with that responsibility. And uh, reading an account of it, uh, Confederate soldiers lying scattered over the country, killed in battle and otherwise. And finally, it was a group organized uh, and set up what they called the Ladies' Society, Memorial Society of Murfreesboro. They organized their own group, elected officers, and then hired a, a popular former Confederate captain, uh, Arnold. In fact, uh, those who know the uh, history of some of the antebellum homes, what's uh, sometimes called Daffodil Hill, mm -hmm. out on the uh, Woodbury, Highway. Woodbury Highway on the right there, beautiful old home that's been fortunately saved. Uh, was his home before the war and he survived and came back and uh, uh, sometime later became a uh, sheriff mm -hmm. uh, of Rutherford County but the women's group uh, doing the things that at the time women did the baking and, and soliciting raised money and hired Arnold and others that he retained to literally cover the county to find these scattered graves, these scattered remains, and to bring them together largely as a uh, sign of respect, a show of respect. Yeah. They purchased property and uh, set up a very uh, uh, well-kept, well-organized uh, cemetery. And there uh, brought together all of the Confederate remains. They think, well, you know, there were Union remains too, but the U.S. government, after the war, tended to that. Yeah. National Cemetery out near the battlefield park uh, where they were buried, and with rare exception, I'm aware of only one grave in that National Cemetery that would have Confederate soldier in it. Uh, but the rest of it was all for the Union soldiers. And uh, were it not for this group of ladies, the Confederate remains would have remained where they fell, where they were hastily buried, shallow graves, most of them. Um, but uh, credit goes to these uh, ladies of Murfreesboro. And uh, out of curiosity, I did research trying to find out, well, where was this Confederate cemetery and what happened to it? Mm -hmm. Uh, the best description I found is one mile south of Murfreesboro between the railroad and the Shelbyville Turnpike. Hmm. Uh, now, when you say south of Murfreesboro, are they talking about south of the courthouse or south of the city limits or south of some obvious uh, end to urbanization? Trying to use that and, and guessing about the logic of it the uh, Confederate cemetery was originally 
somewhere close to where our farmers co-op uh, businesses are located mm -hmm. now. In fact, uh, between the pike and the railroad would put it at the intersection of uh, what used to be Sanborn Drive, now I think it's Middle Tennessee. That's close to where uh, Dr. Murphy's farm was. I think you're right. Yeah, because uh, he, he, he built his own little dam over there, right pretty close to the the co-op itself right yeah. there at that the river that's that runs through there well the best uh, locator would be the railroad crossing yeah there and uh, I have uh, suggested that the cemetery may well have been between the railroad crossing and the highway intersection mm -hmm. uh, so it would be on the south on the east side of the turnpike uh, but obviously it's not there now, so what happened? Yeah, that's the question. <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, to get to the ultimate answer, the bodies are now in the Confederate circle. It's called over at Evergreen Cemetery, just uh, beyond and behind the office building for the cemetery. Hmm. And uh, But how did it get moved? <clears throat> uh what I would call very good forward thinking. The cemetery, as long as the ladies auxiliary and the women of that auxiliary were still around and active, they maintained it. Mm -hmm. And for 10 years, about 10 years, 10 or 15 years, they maintained it. But then there's the question of in perpetuity, who's going to take care of it? How's yeah. this going to be handled? Uh, and what they did is the uh, Evergreen Cemetery was first established in the early 1880s. They bought mm -hmm. the land from the Manny, Manny family. Manny, yeah. And uh, uh, made an agreement with the original commissioners of the cemetery that they would take uh, without fee all of the remains could be removed. And the uh, at that time, the uh, United Confederate Veterans uh, would take responsibility for maintaining it as part of Evergreen and eventually it would transfer to Evergreen uh, the upkeep and such. So what was being done was for a uh, no, no cost at the time other than the cost of again disinterring the bodies and moving them again the remains such as they were uh, the uh, question of maintenance would be passed to a, an entity that was going to be there in theory forever, take care of the, of the graves and relieve any individual group, separate group uh, of that burden. And you think, well, that was a, a smart move by whoever did it uh, to maintain the, the graves and such. But how did they pull that off? Well, I looked at the members of the city government at the time, mm -hmm. the members of the United Confederate Veterans, the officers and such, and the members of the Cemetery Commission, which was originally set up, same people. Mm. A lot of overlap of the names. So they essentially were self-dealing. Uh, so I, I suspect it was very deliberate that they were looking to the future. How is this Confederate cemetery and its remote circumstances going to be maintained. What they did was just move the whole thing into what was going to be forever. 
the local cemetery evergreen mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know achieve their objective because now the the care that's given to the cemetery as a whole includes the Confederate circle and uh, I should note that the uh, current successor to the United uh, Confederate Veterans which is the Sons of Confederate Veterans still do uh, service over there in fact uh, the American flag the US flag that flies over the cemetery as a whole is maintained and replaced as needed by the Sons of Confederate Veterans and of course all the needs beyond the usual uh, cemetery care uh, for the Confederate circle which I think some of them estimate has thousands of bodies yeah. parts of bodies whatever they could move uh, there you know Evergreen Cemetery has a great historical value to this community oh, doesn't incredible. it incredible yes the information available from the stones markers themselves and uh, also from the records that have been preserved in the cemetery uh, for genealogists or local historians very important literally old Murfreesboro pretty much is there in that cemetery well the Lytle uh, the, uh, excuse me the original Murphy Manny cemetery is there mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know I often think that uh, Dr. Manny is the one who actually was partner in the transfer of the property and it was not a donation it was purchased from the Manny family Again, has, uh, he, he was uh, making a smart move because by having the what became the main uh, city cemetery uh, included his family cemetery. Mm-hmm. So again, just like the Confederate veterans, he got perpetual care and maintenance of the family cemetery by making that the big cemetery for the for the entire community. You're on the board there at Evergreen. Yeah, we had a board meeting last week. I'm vice chairman. Uh And we've talked for a couple of years now. There's been progress and backtracking and a transfer from a division of the city government Mm -hmm. to a foundation or a not-for-profit corporation has been in the progress and there are those now who think maybe July 1 of this year that'll be accomplished Uh, we'll see and the reasons important in order to qualify for foundation support it needs to be a freestanding not-for-profit and not a part of the city Mm. uh, city government Uh, government entities are not eligible for foundation support I assume that's because of the way the found some of the foundations are set up. Yeah. Uh, so the finances is part of it. However, the cemetery has operated on its own without any tax support, uh, I guess, from its beginning, and certainly in the last decade or so that I've been familiar with it. Uh, it's not a big profit generator, but it has always supported itself, covered all of its own expenses. And if you want to buy a cemetery plot uh, at Evergreen, you'll find that it's notably cheaper than uh, any alternatives in the area. 
Well, and that's not reason I put mine over there, to be perfectly honest with you. I just love that uh, cemetery and how it's located in the long, long history of it. And uh, I, I hope uh, we, uh-oh, we've got two calls waiting for us. So let's go to the first one. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Uh, yeah, I, I talked to you earlier. Uh, Mr. Tucker, you said you was on the board. I don't know if you mentioned it yet. Uh, uh, is there a plan to re... I was over there about two days ago, and uh, the roads are really bad in there. Is there a plan to uh, update those roads through there? And I'll, I'll listen to your answer. Thank you. A short, easy answer at the last meeting of the current commission. We approved an expenditure to redo the roads, to do the road work, and you're quite right. There's some pretty rough roads, or drives, you might want to call them, and particularly the older part of the cemetery. You know, I, I never noticed that. I only look at the at the green and and, and the monuments that are over there, and and it's uh, it's a great great part of our history over there. Got another caller. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Hey, hey, that's Jerry Pasco at Dallas Chapel. <laughs> hey, our, hey, our uh, official uh, senior member of the uh, con, uh, the governing council of Donald's Chapel. <laughs> yeah, I'm the oldest person here. Hey, uh, how about that, the Confederate Cemetery at Beach Grove? Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't that's... hear about that. Yeah, uh, that's maintained. I believe that one is maintained by the Sons of Confederate Veterans chapter in Coffee County. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, oh, oh that's right, that's Coffee County. Right. Okay. Anyway, uh, Greg, I got a picture of you and uh, Wayne Reed at the Country Club, Walter Hill Country Club. I need to give you. <laughs> okay. Wayne uh, Reed. The country club has gone into repose of late, but uh, yeah, I know it. I got a picture of you and uh, uh, Bubba, uh, uh, Bubba, you know, sim, uh, Woodfin, had, uh, Bubba Woodfin, and uh, Wayne Reed standing yeah. in front of the. Okay, yeah. talk to y'all later. Anyway, uh, we, we, another thing, we need somebody to do a better job on this braidable pike when they cut off. Uh, uh, along the side, you know, they don't do a very good job. They could knock down half the mailboxes, and, <laughs> and uh, the, the county, the county does a better job on the side of their roads. Cripple Creek yeah. really do a good job. Yeah, the the Bradable Pike is a state road, and uh, I know they get to the cheapest the people they can. Cruise. I have to All take right. care of my own in front of my house. <laughs> all right, Jerry. Keep an eye on the community. Hey, all right. Talk to y'all. Bye. See you, Jerry. Um, what was I going to say? I got interested in what he was saying. Uh, but that's a well. That's that's a real upscale community you're talking about up there. You you guys uh, are uh, living on the fat of the land. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I mean, if you like, it is a beautiful road. I mean, you if you go out Bradable Road and any of those connecting roads out there is a large part 
of the history of Rutherford County and in some of the most beautiful areas you'll ever find. And um, I'm glad that you relocated back from Washington down here, Greg, because you really have uh, uh, improved that particular area right there. You've worked hard on it. You and Mentoriette both and some of the prettiest land you'll ever see. We came back in 1988. And I remember thinking, my goodness, how this community has changed. Yeah. And uh, if you look at the change since 1990, it's just hard to believe. Yeah. I mean, we were all in the cattle business, and now I'm one of the handful that still has cattle out that way. It's uh, beautiful homes are being built, but uh, uh, I hope it uh, slows down a little bit. Got another caller. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Good morning, fellas. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing very well. I was just wondering if there was any information that Mr. Tucker might be able to share about the uh, the dam over on the Sam Davis property. Uh, you have any information to share about the Sam Davis property? Uh, the Corps of Engineers has now uh, got the last call on it, but uh, they have solicited comment and opinion, which uh, we hope uh, will be heeded, uh, but it still remains to be seen. I'd say within the next two weeks, we'll probably know what's going to happen there. Okay. Uh, so does it look like the dam is going to be preserved, or is it? going to be demolished uh, I couldn't I couldn't say for sure I do know that uh, there's now agreement as to the history and in fact I learned uh, or was able to confirm the dam was actually hand built by uh, one of the Johns family Andy Andy Johns back in the 30s so uh, you know we've got a real interesting connection with one of the oldest most prominent families in Smyrna the Johns family and uh, in uh, 1938 39 he was hired by the Sam Davis Association and uh, got out there in the creek using natural stone and hand built that dam so uh, wow. at, at least we're in agreement now as to the history the difference is there are those who think it should be preserved and repaired, and there are those who want to tear it down and put up a plaque, a memorial plaque. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Hmm. Well, is there anything that the public can do to, to uh, kind of persuade uh, the Corps of Engineers to change their plans? I think uh, any uh, comment from the public at this point to the Corps of Engineers, uh, Mr. Timothy Dodson seems to be in, in charge of the project, uh, could have some effect. If there's a significant community interest, uh, the Corps may uh, uh, accede to it. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. You guys have a great show and love listening to you. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Bye-bye. That's a good question. You know, it's, it's, 
it's become a complicated issue and it, there's so many different things that are going on with it that could affect you know some of the business structures that are going on in, in, in this country that it, it just doesn't seem like it um, it has a value or a positive value for uh, the people like the Sam Davis home. Uh, it, it has no positive effect on it whatsoever, and that's where um, all the decisions should be made. So it, it, it's hard to fathom those type situations. Uh, that last call reminds me that the uh, Rutherford County Equalization Board convenes next week mm -hmm. and uh, the purpose of that board is to hear those who want to appeal their appraisal for property tax purposes and uh, I'm sitting as a member of that board uh, but I encourage anyone to uh, be sure you get on the list if you want to uh, have uh, your appraisal your property appraisal reviewed uh, you need to call the tax assessor's office and ask for a time to appear before the board uh, we will be in session technically I think throughout June but usually the first two weeks of June uh, is the time that uh, the board will be hearing these appeals and, and acting on them do you have many responses for that that's something that's pretty vital to each property owner isn't it we don't expect a lot of uh, uh, turnout this time around mm -hmm. uh, because we're in the third year in the fourth year is when everything gets reappraised, and uh, at that, in that year, which is next year, I expect there'll be an, an awful lot of interest in uh, getting a review. The property assessor's office does a great job over there, don't they? I think very well of them. Yeah, they have some really great people that work over there, and. Uh, uh, Rob is doing a good job, and he has a really great bunch of supporters there. You know some of them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Truman. All right, Greg. Great show. We'll see you guys in the morning at 9 o'clock. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Since 1981, Willow Windows been making homes beautiful all over Tennessee. From decks and railings to doors and windows. Visit WillowWindow.pro. Willow Window, the official sponsor of the WGNS Studios. WillowWindow.pro.